Hey Lab Rats, welcome to the first episode of the Rat Chat. I'm your co-host, Sophia Shoemaker, and joining me is my fellow co-host, Lucas Mann, and today's special guest, Alex Kurtz. Um, before we begin the student interview, I just want to take a quick second to kind of explain our mission statement with the podcast and what we're going to hope to accomplish throughout the school year. Basically, we're going to pull volunteers from the RVGS student body and have a conversation with them about their STEM-related interests, whether that be you know, flying planes or coding. As long as it falls within the broad spectrum of STEM, we're interested in hearing about it. Um, the goal with these conversations is to create a broader sense of community and a love for STEM-related um, passions um, in Gov School. Um, ep- episodes are probably going to run between like 15 to 20 minutes long, and we'll release one every other Friday. Um, Real quick, um, before we actually begin the interview, we wanted to introduce the crew that's working on it, as as well as the co-hosts. So I'm going to go first. I'm Lucas. I'm a senior here at the Roanoke Valley Governor School. I'm from Franklin County High School, and I listen to a lot of podcasts. So, yeah. All right. uh, My name is Alex Kurtz. I'm also a senior from Franklin County. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of the technology balancing and sound editing. Hey, I'm Ben. I'm also a senior from Franklin County, and I'm just going to be doing a little bit of everything, including video, recording, talking, and just have a good time. And lastly, I'm Sophia Shoemaker. I'm a senior from Cave Spring, and I will just be helping co-host and write episodes and do all that good stuff. So yeah, further ado, you want to get started? Yeah, absolutely. So our first episode, our pilot, we wanted to get one of the people from the crew, um, Alex, because he does something pretty interesting. Um, compared to the rest of us. So, Alex, why don't you, why don't you just tell people what you do? All right, so I'm a uh, student pilot, uh, or at least that's the certificate I have, right? I am actually going, I'm flying airplanes and stuff like that. So I do a lot with the physics, uh, just flying in general. I have over five hours of flying solo time, which means there's nobody else inside the cockpit with me. So I can truly fly an aircraft from takeoff to landing without anyone else's assistance. So I guess my question is like, how, like how do you get from being like I'm interested in flying planes to I'm a student pilot I'm actively learning how to fly planes. All right. So first thing you got to do is like you got to take the first step and like reach out to a flight school or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I've spent hours doing simulators or just watching airplane videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Right. But nothing happened with that until I actually reached out to a flight school and was like, hey, I want to do something. And a lot of them offer things called discovery flights, which is like they take you up in an airplane. It's normally cheaper than like their hourly rate for actual flight school. And then they let you get a fuel for the controls. They give you like hands-on, you're in the airplane flying it, and let you see, hey, this is something I want to do, and you'll probably either love it or you'll absolutely hate it because airplanes are not for you. That's valid. Uh, I have two questions. One, have you ever played the hit game Flight Simulator on the Xbox One? (laughs) Uh, I don't have consoles. You don't have consoles? I've I've played, like, PC ones. Because my friend is really into, like, Flight Simulator, and I've played it before. I've played X-Plane in 2021 or whatever it was. I don't remember when it came out because it was so long ago. Is it X-Plane open source? Uh, no. No? There's one that's, like, open source, but anyways. I don't know. And then, well, the second question I was going to ask you is how much do you need to know about, like, the mechanics behind airplanes to understand how to fly it, or is it pretty So, you need to know a lot, not in the sense of 
flying it, but with the mechanics of when things go wrong. So compared to your car, an airplane has a lot more gauges for temperature, engine temperatures, oil pressures, fuel pressure, stuff like that. And so you can notice when things are going wrong before they fully go wrong. So like if you have a high, high oil temperature with a low oil pressure, that means you're probably dripping oil, right? Yep. And you've got to be able to connect the dots and figure out what's going wrong so you can make the safest decision to either get yourself on the ground, whether it's in a field or back in an airport. So I guess, like, another question that I have is, like, how blurry is the line between, like, this is stuff that you're going to learn about in flight school and, like, this very, like, physics, physical, mechanical versus, like, what you're actually going to be doing when you're flying an airplane? Like, where does where is the distinction between what you learn in flight school versus what you're actually, like, flying? Do you use everything or is it just, like, some stuff you use and some stuff you don't usually use? Or, like, what's the... I feel like a lot of it branches together. So, like, physics and flight, like, you won't use the... You know, you're not going to need to know that gravity is 9.8 or something like that, right? But you still need to know, right, that turning is you tilt the wings and then it adds a horizontal component of lift and turns you to the side, right? It's not just changing the way the engine's pointing. So there's that physics aspect that actually comes into flying the plane. There's mechanical aspects with, like, how things work, like constant speed props. Uh, There's the extra lever, right? And it teaches you how it changes and keeps a constant RPM on the engine. But you don't really need to know that on a flight. You just need to know that it does what it does and how to move the lever in flight. So there are some things that you definitely need to know, some things that you can definitely apply, but not everything is yeah, so directly there's, applicable. There's some stuff that like is theoretical, but then it gets applied in a way that you don't have to know all the theory yeah. behind it, essentially. Right. Uh, I mean, you're supposed to know, like, you got to know all your aircraft systems and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. But like, you won't necessarily use, if something breaks, then, like, you can't fix it in the air, right? Yeah, you're not going to be sitting there like, oh, no, my wings are broken. Guess I have to bust out the calculator and do a free fall <laughs> yeah. equation. Yeah. But, like, um, um, when there's a lot of theory stuff, too, that's, like, physics and vectors that you are doing that you might have to do in flight. So, like, mm-hmm. when cross-country flying comes in, you have to calculate winds and stuff like that because an airplane, it doesn't have friction keeping it on the ground when it's, there's a wind. Yeah. So if there's a 20 knots blowing directly at your side, you're going to be moving sideways at 20 knots, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got to do calculations. You've got to correct for, like, compass heading because magnetic north isn't the same thing as true north, stuff like that. You've got to correct for wind changes and stuff like that to figure out the actual heading you need to go versus where your like need to point if that makes sense yeah so do you do all this like ahead of time or like during the flight uh there's going to be some of both yeah right so you're going to try and plan it ahead of time there are weather things that can tell you the winds but in the end you know winds change and if you are using like a glass cockpit which that's like the screens and stuff compared to standard flight instruments then sometimes it does some of the work for you okay okay and I had a question, Lucas. <laughs> um, so I actually had one question. This might not be entirely applicable to your knowledge, but like for example, when the seven thirty seven Boeing Max is grounded, right? That was due to like a correction error in like the nose. Do you know like kind of what I'm talking about? I haven't really looked into but, that. Yeah, it was something that was more highly like technological. Do you know if pilots have to like get like ample training beforehand before flying planes like that, or is it kind of just like? Um. Uh, so. This is from my experience, like my flight instructor recently <laughs> moved out, right? Mm-hmm. And before he goes and starts flying, I'm pretty sure he's going to do Learjets, which are, you know, private planes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. He's getting hours in a simulator beforehand. So like 
you're going to be working with instructors, you're going to be working in simulators, especially for the bigger planes, okay. before you go and do it. And I'm pretty sure, but I wouldn't say this for absolute certainty, that you have to have so much simulator time in some okay. of the bigger planes to yeah. keep current with flying. I mean, I'm sure they were a highly trained pilot, just obviously. Are the, are the, like, can you be, like, certified for one type of, like, passenger jet plane and then not be certified for another one because you don't have enough hours? Or like a different model, uh, or does it carry over? Do you mean like different models of the same plane, different um, variations of the same so plane, or do you mean like seven thirty seven versus seven forty seven or something like that? Yeah. So the the like analogy I'm I'm trying to make like if um you want to drive like a Nissan Rogue and you've got similar hours in a Nissan Rogue, could you somehow switch around to like a Toyota Highlander and drive the same like type like like an SUV but different like makes or models I guess uh, I'm not fully sure how it is in like smaller planes there might be a little more leniency but I definitely know that the bigger planes you can't just go hopping back and forth because they all have their different systems they all have their different like parts and pieces and stuff like that that you want to be like and know fully know the plane you can't just go and switch okay like that's interesting because I don't know well. All right. Hey, Alex, I have a question. How do you plan to use this training as a pilot in the future of your life? All right. So I want to fly uh, professionally. I don't know if I'm going to go into the military. I don't know if I'm going to go commercial. But what I'm doing right now is I'm working through my pilot and believe it or not, or private pilot, should I say, and believe it or not, you can actually get college credits if you're going to do an aviation degree, uh, if you have various licenses. So like there's private, there's commercial, there's instrument, there's airline, stuff like that. And if you're going to a college like Liberty or any other like flight, full flight program, then you can get college credits for already having the licenses because there's no point in working through it tri twice, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's like, um, I guess you, you spend less money on college and could you like get an, another, another license instead of a private license? Do you like, do you just like getting like, if you get your private license before you go to a flight school, can you like start use that as a basis to get another type of license, like a commercial license or like an airliner license? Or yeah. So they all kind of stack on top of each other. So like uh, private and then uh, commercial that's like a commercial driver's license right mm -hmm. you can fl drive a car with a commercial driver's license but you can't drive a bus with a private right and that's not necessarily the same comparison as like you'll be flying airlines but it just means you can like make money off the license that's what a commercial is um, but then you can build on top of that do airline transport that starts to get into your bigger planes your private charter your airlines stuff like that and there's also types so like uh You'd have, like, your motorcycle license in the normal world. Mm -hmm. You can also get, like, twin engine or float plane, tail dragger, stuff like that to, to add, like, classes on your license. Now, if you get these specialized, like, licenses, do they carry down like a CDL does? Where, like, if you know how to drive, like, a twin engine, can you just drive, like, a normal single engine plane? Or do you have to be, a, like, have a different certification? So, um... I'm pretty sure for twin versus double, it's different certifications, but most people are going to start out on a single engine plane, and then they're going to move to a double because it's just that much more expensive to fly with fuel costs and everything like right. that. Interesting. So, um, I, it, one question I have is like, um, how do the maps look for term for like weather and things? Like, what do you use to like plan out your flight route routes and your like wind the wind? Um, 
direction when you when you're flying so there are two different ways you can do it you know you can do it like the old-fashioned way like paper maps with like navigating mm -hmm. or of course you know there are apps that you can do it with there's technology within the planes that chart courses for you if you have nicer cockpits and stuff like that but when it comes to weather there's three different ways you can do it right there's online websites that kind of help you see storm cells they help you see uh winds stuff like that and there are things called like sigmats and stuff like that, which I'm not going to get fully into weather theory, but uh, there's that. And then there's also things called an ASOS, which is a number you can call. Like if I can call it right now, that's not my phone. Um, <laughs> and it will pull up the weather data and I'll be working on getting that up. And the third one is called an ATIS. It's a frequency you can tune into on the plane and get the weather from there, which the ASDLs and the ATIS are very similar. One's just hourly, one's updated every minute. Gotcha. So you can, um, so like you call that website, or that, well, not website, that number, and it gives you like a, a kind of like a Cliff Notes version of the weather? Yeah. Uh, pretty much. How like does, if I call this number here. How does it know where you are, though? So I'm calling the Roanoke ASOS. So gotcha, like gotcha. I'll just let this play, and then I'll try and explain it as it goes. So that means you can see 10 miles. There are no clouds. 16 degrees Celsius. 2.14. So 3029er, that's pretty much the relative pressure to, from where you're at compared to something called standard pressure. So uh, that just, it's like uh, differences in temperature and of course altitude and stuff like that are going to change the pressure, uh, air density. So you're uh, changing and adjusting it from the standard day, which is 15 degrees Celsius, 29.92 inches of mercury. Okay. Um, oh, that was my next question. Like, how do you measure yeah. atmosphere? Because like, there's a different there's different units for measuring atmosphere. Dimensional um, yeah. analysis. So there, yeah. at least with the uh, most altimeters that I've flown with, use inches of mercury. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also millibars, uh, and some of them have like both, and you just turn a little dial and adjust the altimeter. Because the altimeter it's essentially measuring a difference in pressure from the outside air and one that's like set, you set, and it kind of like maintains that pressure, gets the difference, and then makes the bar spin up. Because if it's less dense air outside, altimeter is gonna go up, mm -hmm. and that's how it measures your altimeter. Because there's like this whole system. It's the pitot-static system. And there's the pitot, which is like the pitot tube, and that's how you get your airspeed. So pretty much it's a little hole, the air comes into the pitot tube, it rams it back, and that measures the airspeed. And then there's static, which is, I mean, it's not moving, so it's just taking still measurements of the air from outside of the airplane. And that's how the altimeter, that's how the airspeed indicator and the vertical speed indicator work. So I had a quick question. I've seen, like, videos of people solo flying before, and I understand that they have, like, they have contact with people when they're, um, like, taking lifting off and, like, getting landing on the ground like atc yeah ATC, stuff are like you obligated to be in contact with them when you're in the air or at least when you're taking off and landing or is well, that most definitely like especially yeah. out of roanoke right they are what's called class c airspace or class charlie airspace mm -hmm. so that means there is a tower they are constantly going and if you go without the tower then you know they're gonna get mad yeah at you, right because it's their job to make sure planes aren't like getting too close to each other in the air and communication really like breaks that down but when you have an emergency, right, I want to specify this, you aviate, navigate, communicate. So you're going to first fly the airplane if something goes wrong because there's no point in jeopardizing your safety trying to 
communicate or something like that prematurely, right? And then you want to get yourself to a safe spot, whether it's going to a field, whether it's going back to the airfield, or, you know, whatever you find to land in, right? And then the last thing you want to do is say, like, hey, I'm having an XYZ problem, you know, I need to get down. And then the ATC will make sure that you can get down without any interferences as best they can. But of course, there are also non-towered airports, which you essentially say what you're doing, and then other people in the area will like hear that and they'll have to work themselves so like if, if you're going to blacksburg it'd be like virginia tech traffic uh diamond six one lima hotel making a right base for runway three one or something so like it's that. dependent on your so you kind of like call in your own landing yeah pretty yeah. much as opposed to like atc saying hey you're good to do the landing or something like that okay gotcha. all right well uh, thank you alex for coming on and talking about uh flight yeah thank you and... so much that was super cool and super super knowledgeable about this and yeah i yeah. think that was really cool Thank you. So we'll see you guys next week or you know next episode on the Red Chat. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys.